Greetings and welcome to CritCast episode 15. Yes, 15. This time it's another Kill Team uh, focused episode because, well, I'm a Kill Team guy now. Uh, But once again, it's about another Warhammer Worlds event because we literally just went to the October one after the September one. But joining me is Charles. So hello, Charles. Uh, Hi, John. Uh, How are you today? Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, recovering from from the Kill Team. (laughs) Yes, because uh, yeah, this time we didn't get to go with Itan because he's unfortunately busy with the life, so um, he he was unable to join us. But yeah, this this tournament kind of came up by surprise because they said another tournament was coming soon, but we thought they meant soon as in next well, year, or like soon. or like November, December, like not within the month of the previous one. Yes, yeah, yeah. So it was like, and it was a Sunday because of the Saturday they did Blood Bowl. So, yes. like, the most interesting thing, like, this is my only criticism of the tournament, like, um, it, it, it's just, like, it was only three rounds, but it was still £35. Like, I would have liked either four rounds or a cheaper price. Yeah, but they, they kind of do a single price for their events. Um, yeah, I, I know. that, But that, that, that literally the only annoying thing. It was only three rounds. Um, but, yeah, it was just, like... We've done another Kill Team tournament, so if you haven't kept up with social media or anything, we'll just be talking about it. It might be a mystery. Um, but, um, yeah, so we'll, we'll just be basically, after the intro, just going over our event prep and then talking through the rounds, and then, you know, we'll be done. Um, yep. But th- this time, yeah, because the game's only about what, two, two and a half, no, two months old. Yeah, it's two months old now. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, I've had it for two and a half months because I had it two weeks early to review. And yeah, so we've been playing for about two months. So the interesting thing, like as we go into event prep, we kind of studied the rules pack because the rules pack was pretty clear, but the only thing is this time they announced the missions, isn't it? Yeah, so they they put the three missions that were being played in the event pack, which was nice because they also added the, the new round timings they were doing just as not exact timings, but reminders for players as they're playing to be at a certain point of the game oh yes like Um, that that was the biggest part for me because um like yeah it it was just really important because obviously i I have got heavily slow played last time so it was important that I, i found i was generally running a little bit faster than their round times but it felt a good amount of time per round yeah, yeah. It was like generally everyone was really fine, but it's just that one game I had. So mm-hmm. uh, as I as I'll get to when it comes to events, it actually really helped me because even though I was keeping track of time, what I found because they were calling out specific points, so they they obviously prefaced it with, oh, you know, when we say you've reached this point, so it's like they were calling out at the end of setup. Then well, the it, end it of was, the turning point. You should be like, starting to oh, turn there's, there's 35 minutes left. You should be in turning point three now. Yes. Um, it was more, they were giving a, there's an amount of time left. You should be at this point by now. If you're not, um, that's when you kind of need to worry. <laughs> yes. So it, it like, it wasn't too crazy, but it was, it was nice enough of a nudge. Hmm. And I found that really cool. But the other thing was the missions. So we're like, we'll get onto it when we go into like the actual missions. But the missions they told us was Master uh, so, the Terminals. Yeah. Uh, domination. And Escalating Hostilities. Yeah. So like, 
I know we've like we've already discussed this, but we kind of feel that escalating like that this mission pack was kind of a test because eerily, what what happened was a week before the we were going to come down, they released the new FAQ with the new errors and stuff. So we're like, oh. But then they picked these missions, which are notoriously difficult to max out, especially not so much for escalating hostilities, but definitely the other two. And yeah, they're, they're difficult to score missions because you've got a more limited number of points um, to get. Yes. So it's kind of like, um, well, like me, you, and basically I turn feel Master of the Terminals is the worst mission in the game because it's. Because it, it's uh, only a, because, the only bad mission. Well, it's during uh, the way it's set up. So as when you set up the objectives, you assign numbers to them, starting with the attacker. Yes. Uh, and that objective number is turned off on that turn. So as the attacker, you can choose the objective closest to the defender's zone and have that turned off turn one. So it's immediately one point denied to your opponent turn one. Yeah. And that's what your opponent can do. Gone. Yeah. Your opponent can do that to you for turn two, um, but it's so polarizing that you know you can't score that one point turn one and your opponent could score three yes and it's like the worrying thing was against like custodies they can um uh what do you call it they can uh if they have that push they have the potential even though with their current change they can still push again so they can effectively dominate you on the primaries and yeah, knock they, you out. Yeah, they can. Uh, custodians, even with their reducing to three AP, can still, if they want to, push up to the, the other two objectives. It leaves them in the open and they're not shooting or attacking, but if there's cover there, they could always just be concealed. Yes. Um, but so any, like, any three AP team can do that. Yeah, so the problem is we had to plan out that mission a lot because we, we, we played it once back and we were like immediately like, oh my gosh, because I was always the attacker because I kept rolling it. And it was just well, like, yeah. yeah. We, we played it a couple of times very early on when we were first playing Kill Team. And we were, oh, well, let's give this mission a try. And the first time we played it, it was just uh, an eye-opener to how bad it was because it was near impossible to score if you were the defender. Yeah, because the the way like we, we've theoried like, how you could make that mission better is you either add a fifth objective in the middle or... You make it so you can't put object missions. Uh, you can't basically turn off um, the objectives closest to your opponents, your deployment yeah. zones. So you basically one and two can only be the ones outside and not. Well, uh, that, that's the other thing is you could just you could have they could have just assigned it with one two one and two being the side objectives and then three and four being either the one nearer the attacker or defender. Yeah, something um, like that. Because that that's the that's the only bad side. Like because it heavily favors elite teams. So. I personally was worried about running to custodies on that mission or even like Grey Knights or someone else. Like even mm. Harlequins would be super tough on that mission because of how dominatingly fast and high APL they have. Yeah, if uh, anybody who's fast or three APL who's willing to throw somebody out to the point can get an early lead and that can be the difference between winning and losing. Yeah, because you have to remember once they have claimed it, they've claimed that no one else can. So it's kind of like literally like who who claims it first wins in a in, in a sense. Mm. But and then you've got domination, which is just it. Normally, you know, you can stand back a bit and score enough tower points. But in domination, there's only five objectives. You score one VP for holding two objectives, three uh, two uh, two VP for holding more, and then you get one VP for each of your opponent's objectives you're controlling. So if you're not pushing up early, 
you can easily not max that out unintentionally just because Again, you may not want to rush into your opponent. Yeah, it's uh, if you can if you can get early domination of the middle, um, and just uh, hold the middle. That gives you the three, making sure you're gaining two points rather than then over there one point. And then if you can maybe sneak around a a side and flank somebody up, you can steal one of their points. But it's it's very difficult to score max points on it unless you're hyper aggressive and very mobile. Yes. So it's like, it's tough. And the, the biggest thing I think the problem with Domination is it's nine inches deployment. And the problem with nine inches deployment, there's no way you can really set up that board without having a vantage point in someone's deployment. To, yeah. to Warhammer World's credit, they did their best they could. But it's like, even with nine inches, it's huge. And it just warps some tack ops because some tack ops are like, you have to be within red of the deployment zone. But because you've got a nine inch drop zone, that's basically half the board. So, yeah, because it's it's played lengthways along, it's played lengthways across the board. So you've got a very narrow board, but with a very large deployment area. Yeah. So effectively, we just uh, we we played all the missions. We focused a lot on what do you call it? Because uh, escalating hostilities, we played a lot, and that's a really I think that's that's the best mission out of the bunch that they had selected because it's just really balanced. It's like yeah, it it forces you to play towards the middle of the map um, slowly as the Doesn't, game goes on. But it yeah, it does have tactics to it and it's not like you've got to rush the middle early yeah because you get punished if you rush the middle because you could control the middle but there's no real benefit it kind of well, forces it, it you does, it does score you more points but um it also does put you in a situation where you've pushed up and possibly into bad positioning depending on the terrain yeah because if your opponent wipes you out early sure you could max out by turning point three but then you could also give your opponent the ability to max out by turning point four so there's mm. no real need to push up early. And it's as you said, it's a slow burn. So you don't actually have to immediately rush. Eventually you have to be in the middle, but it's not like a suicidal charge. So it punishes you from sitting back, but doesn't force you going too quickly in. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we just like, I think, because we did get games in, but then we just like, we did a lot of theory crafting, I believe. We did a lot, I think. Uh, but it, it was it's along the lines of more just, right, well, what do you do versus this matchup? Well, you'll need to either push one side hard or you'll need to try and do this. Um, if you're against a, a, like a, a hoarding kill team of AP2 models, well, you don't have to worry too much on master terminals because all they can do is push up to them. They can't claim them. So do you plan for a turn two? push or it's it's a lot of what could there be and then when you actually turn up to the event and there's none of the lists you were thinking about being there it kind of is a bit of a strange one yes because we were still expecting a lot of custodies and but we'll get that to when we turn up to the event but it was like where we were shocked by the player attendance because we thought there was only going to be like 25 players or even 20 turn up and there's 36 out of 40 so they didn't end up not selling 40 ticket uh four tickets which is crazy yeah, yeah they, did they, a... they didn't sell out completely, but they had, um, I think there was 38 sold. I think we may have had two that didn't turn up. Yeah, I think it was probably because um, of, you know, like the COVID stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, because before we get into things, the thing I really rate about what Warhammer World did, they didn't have to, and I shout this out in my video, you know, if you're in the UK, infection rates have shot up for our pandemic. So they, they, they said like, you know, I already do the stuff they said, but they were like, if you could test yourself before you come to the event to make sure you're negative and just wear a mask when you're not playing or 
when you're walking around the hall, we'll always be well spaced. And if you need to cancel because you're sick, don't worry, we can do that. Just make sure you're, you're safe, priority. And I think they didn't have to do that. None of the events, uh, well, I haven't been to many events, but the other tournaments that I've been to didn't do that. And I haven't heard any other tournaments doing that. So the fact they were doing that is really cool because they're not forced to do that. They're just making sure well, everyone's having a safe They're being very proactive on it. Um, yeah. They're, they're being ahead of the gun or whatever it's called. You know, they're taking initiative. So, oh, that's really good from them. And obviously I'm like triple vaccinated, Charles double vaccinated. So, um, but that was like our event prep. Now we'll go on to kill team selection because I think this is the most important part, basically. So Yeah, especially for you. Uh, uh, we'll go with you first because I think it's more interesting from you. Yeah, so I took uh, the Forge World from the Compendium to the last Kill Team event, and between that one and this one, we've had the White Dwarf Hunter Clade uh, Forge World Kill Team come out, and played it in a few test games, and I felt it was very much of a a side grade of a faction, so it's got things it does better than the Compendium team, but also the Compendium team has an edge on flexibility, and especially... Um, the tack op choices with Forge World, depending on what you pick in your uh, for your actual teams, you have access to all four um, archetypes. Whereas the Hunter Clades are locked into, I believe it's Recon and Search and Destroy. Seek and um, Destroy, yes. Yeah, Seek and Destroy, yeah. Mostly um, Search and Destroy because that sounds better. Um, which are not bad tack op decks um and they certainly can do them where they have several tricks where for things at recon they they can infiltrate models they've got uh ways of getting extra apl for doing things at vantage point but having security in the forge world team and knowing that the the three missions we were going to play are difficult to score full points on primaries i knew the way to play security, I could score generally well on my secondaries. And seeing as secondaries are the first um, the first tiebreaker after wins, I decided to take um, the Forge World over the Hunter Clays more just for the safety of the tack op choices. Um, there were several other people who did take Hunter Clades, and they did relatively well i think uh all the other forge world players did at least two one i think yeah um, something like that because there were a lot of forge world players because like the the interesting thing i've yeah, heard this was... is a tangent but people have kind of like said they're not that great but i mean you're a testament they're, to they're, that they're, they're, they're solid they're solid it's they're not fantastic but they've got three plus bs which is good their guns are relatively decent they can if you're taking forge world take two lots of special weapons they can take a combat element, so they, they can kind of do everything. They don't do everything fantastically, but they can do just well enough, and you have the model count is the main thing. Yeah. Um, that's unlike Space Marines. Like Space Marines are fantastic. They've got good stats, three APL. They suffer in the model count, so the moment they start losing models, you really have a problem. Forge World, you can lose a couple of your just regular guys, and it doesn't really hinder your plan that much because you can afford to lose these seven-wound bodies. Um, but yeah, the, I, I took the, the Forge World mostly just for the the tack ops and knowing that um, if I were to run up against something like Custodes or a Space Marine team, I could take um, a Ranger and a Vanguard team, both with two special weapons being a Plasma Calvier and an Arc Rifle, which are very, very good at killing 
um, high armor save, uh, high wound models. Um, but we'll get into that in my in my games. Yeah, um, yeah. as you said, it's like an interesting side grade. But I, I like the thing is, tac ops are the key to victory, especially yeah. in this event because tac ops are the deciding factor. You technically get uh, more more models generally with the hunter clade team but you lose flexibility in what you can take inside that but you do gain some things like you you gain a better omni specs um if you take the uh, the vanguard or scotari alpha you gain the ability to activate two models in a in a row um without having to pay command point which the forward board have to do their um their strategic ploys are both better and worse. The downsides of them are better. The upsides are better in some ways, but again, they're more finicky to use. And if you've got good luck um, and you roll well, the strategic ploys on the Hunter Clay teams are not as good, whereas they're, the ones on the Fortwell team are better, but they only last one turn. So it's more choosing the right moment to use them in Forge World rather than you turn it on and you forget about it in Hunter Clay's. Yeah, because I still think the biggest thing is like tac op selection because it's it's mm. so huge and integral. And the fact well, sec- we, we know why they don't are, have security. Secondaries are half of your game plan. Like you yes. can utterly win on primaries, but if your opponent gets almost max primary but beats you on secondaries, your opponent will win. Um, and yeah, tac op selection is one of those big ones. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Chalmath and in the future if they bring out more archetypes that you can choose from or updated, add additional um, choices into your current archetypes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that would be an interesting thing to see because it's like, yeah, it, it's like tack op selection. It's just hugely important. But like as we said, we know why they haven't, or Hunter Clades don't have security because they'd probably be far too good. Yeah, if if they had security, they would be a much stronger choice over Forge World for me. But it's still a fifty-fifty. They 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 do certain things better. Forge World do other things better. So they're very a very fifty-fifty. It's it's really personal preference and playstyle. But for me, people would know I've been playing Tyranids for like six weeks now, nearly two months, um, and I was tempted to bring them. So what happened was last Saturday we were we were playing. So we did yeah, one we were, of our we test playing, we were playing some chess games, yeah. So um, I was like well like I was like Charles, I want to test the new custodians against my gene stealers. Like the only way my tyrannies can beat them is double gene stealer. Um so that we'll lasted a round and a half. <laughs> well, like, so it's like we'll play master terminals. I let you be the attacker. You got three victory points round one. End of turning yeah. point two, you had six victory points from the primary, and yeah. it taken and five team stealers to kill. Yeah. Five team stealers to kill one guy. Yeah, you know, you'd killed more. By the end, I only had three. So yeah, and it was it was at that point the gene stealers couldn't come back from that. Yeah, so I was like, okay, backup plan. I'm just going to go with the commandos because I have liked to mon- like I did. I played commandos for about two weeks when they first came out. Didn't play them. Then I ran into Elliot, the creator of the game, who effectively spanked me with them and opened my eyes. So I was omin and Arin, and then I was like, if I can't do it with Tyranids, I'll do it with Commandos, because Commandos have the flexibility I want. Hmm. And we immediately played some test games with the Commandos. I did I did Commandos into Custodies. Yeah, 
uh, which went a lot better. Um, on Masters killed, of the Domination, yeah, I killed domination. two. Hey, well, you, you ended up killing all of them by uh, the end of round three with some yes. very some very good shooting and dynamites. Yes. Um, and then we played into my gene stealers, and I managed, and this was escalating hostilities, and I managed to effectively wipe out the gene stealers because yeah, again, just the dynamites, uh, it's like just because I'm so tanky. Yeah, well, it was a combination of uh, having to play KG versus Dynamite with the Gene Stealers, because normally you can ignore shooting, but the Dynamite has indirect, so it ignores the fact it ignores you being in cover when used, so conceal doesn't work. Um, and then the orc stratagem of being able to ignore a damage dice, allowing them to survive hits from a Gene Stealer that they should die from and then fight back. Um, so yeah, it was yeah. it was a it was a good game, but the orcs uh, had the edge being able to provide a credible range threat and combat threat over the gene stealers. Yeah, because the biggest thing I found with the Tyranids is like if I wanted to deal with people who outnumber me, I cover it in my video, but it's really difficult to trade with someone in melee without taking damage. So the thing is, you will charge someone, kill them, take some damage, and then you get shot back and die. So you have to either hope they miss, or you do th- you're killing one before they kill you. And the problem is if someone outnumbers you or gets better shooting and has a ways to get around conceal, such as with indirect. Hmm. And it's just the flexibility. I can't max out my tack ops with my gene stealers because they seek and destroy, which is really easy to deny. Or infiltration, um, infiltrate, which is yeah. yeah, so they can't. It's not bad, but it, it infiltration detracts from playing the mission. Yes. Is, is its only problem. Is if it had a bit more synergy with how the missions were, it would probably be a, a, a stronger deck than it is, but you're having to get people off the board. You're having to go away from the objectives with things to rather than playing the mission. Yeah, so I was like, it's just rough. So I switched to Commandos. Then I also played some other test games the next day against Drukari twice, and those were very eye-opening. But the, what I used mm. this time, I just switched around my tech op. So I, I basically played with every option on over both days. I played with every option and realized which one was easy for me to do and which one was really difficult even though it varies on the opponent and then yeah basically after that i had no more practice and then used the commandos technically yesterday because we're recording this on the monday yeah so as a time of recording i've only technically been playing commandos properly for nine days so <laughs> but that's why um, i went with commandos. And you too can you too can uh, do well with them they well, are like- very they're very forgiving is what they are they have a lot of um a lot of built-in redundancy because they have ten wounds, which is quite resilient to small arms fire. Yes, they have decent combat and shooting attacks, even on the basic commando, uh, and they just have a lot of options that you can use with them and a lot of ways to use them. Yeah, they're just very flexible, but I think they're beatable. But the thing is, if you can plan and know how to play them really well, they're almost unbeatable because they give you so much flexibility and choice that no other kill team really can. They are limited by their tack ops because they're locked into infiltration and seek and destroy, but they can make infiltration work because they have two guys that can give two different operatives plus one APL, and one of them can give themselves plus one APL. So they're just really flexible, and they have a nice mix of shooting and combat. Mm. They're not not unbeatable, um, but you have to play well against them because they have some quite good inbuilt strengths 
Um, Especially as they can charge from conceal as well. So yeah, they, that is a that is an incredibly useful uh, thing that they have, meaning they can they can essentially go un unattacked before they get to the point where they can charge. But as we've seen, you don't really need to charge Vulk sometimes. They actually uh, have credible, very credible shooting threats. Oh, yes. And it's like the other thing is the, the Grotz is so good because of its mobility. The ability to hookshot and travel an infinite distance as long as it can see something is very important. So. Yeah, the, the hookshot is a little bit uh, a little bit of an oddity, but it's a willing suspension of disbelief and the Orcs believe it works, so uh, it does. Hey, that Grot can do anything. Mine, mine has the scuba deer because he sinks and then comes up to annoy. But that that that's our that's what we selected our kill teams like. Uh, and uh, like the biggest thing for me was what I identified before, especially after playing the last Warhammer World tournament and the Badmoon tournament. I am really bad at maxing out my tech ops or even like scoring most of them. So for this tournament, I wanted to make sure I was on it with scoring my tech ops and maxing them out. So that was my goal. And that's why I'd spent the Saturday and Sunday previously just making sure I experimented with all the tack ups and seeing what was doable and what was not. So that, yeah, that's pretty much it for our kill teams. So going on to round one, um, I think I'll let you go first, Charles. But before we get into it, as we said, it was 36 players, which was a surprise to us. All event organized by BCP in terms of pairings and stuff. The weird thing was, so in the book, it goes in the event pack, the mission order was... What do you call well, it? Master it, terminals, escalating home facilities and domination, and then they was we we were all setting up in advance for master terminals, and they're like, oh, by the way, guys, first mission is uh, domination, and then yeah. we were like, oh, he's like, why was that? And he's like, oh, it's just because um, you put them in the order in the book. It's like, oh no, we we told you what missions were in the book, but we never told yeah, you what order was, they were in. That was it. In the in the actual event pack, it said mission one, mission two, mission three. And they actually had the round timings in there, and it's game one, game two, th- game three. So we knew the missions, we assumed the order, and it wasn't the order. But it was fine because we knew what we would be playing at some point in the day. Yeah, because we had practiced um, all the missions, so that was fine. Yeah. But I, So going first, it was, yeah, we were all playing now uh, Domination, but I'll let Charles go first. Yeah, so I... Uh, I got domination uh, in domination. I was against a Death Guard player in the first round. Uh, he unfortunately hadn't managed to get his Poxwalkers finished for his list, so all he had was uh, just Plague Marines. But he'd he'd done all of the Plague Marine options he, he he could do, so he had anything he needed. But he only essentially had the five Plague Marines on his side. Uh, with the Forge World, I took um, the Ranger and the Vanguard fire teams. I then gain a free leader, essentially, for one of them. Uh, and I took both. Both teams had an arc rifle and a plasma calvia. So I had the guns to deal with space marines very easily. And it kind of went quite badly um, for the Death Guard. Uh, in the first round, He had we both had um, uh, models on a vantage point. Um, but I set up my plasma gun concealed and I chose infiltrate, whereas he set his plasma gun up um, engaged, but he chose to um, do recon. Um, no, he chose uh, he chose recon or did he choose fortify? Uh, no, he chose no, he also chose infiltrate, but he was uh, he was the attacker, so he got to go first. 
Ah. Um, his plasma gun uh, shot at one of my um, one of my Sakarans who was behind. He was behind cover, but he had an engage order. Um, and he killed it with a plasma gun, as that's what they tend to do. Uh, and then my return fire with my plasma gunner um, did two crits and two hits to the plate marine, doing twenty-two damage. Uh, and he oh, he saved nine on disgusting resilient, so he just just failed to live. Um, and that's kind of how the round went. Um, he moved up in he had mostly conceal orders. He moved up for the first round to get towards objectives. Uh, I moved up. But every time a um, uh, a death guard basically moved out of cover or was engaged, it got hit by two arc rifles or a plasma rifle and arc rifle, and just got splattered across the board. Um, I managed to score, I think, five on my uh, tack ops on that one. Um. It sounds a bit unlucky for the death guard playing away with the disgusting resilience. Yeah, well, he um, he got a lot of good saves, but it was on it was on the high damaging rolls where I'd be getting eight to twelve wounds through, and he'd only end up saving like two or three of them, so he'd lose seven wounds off a model. It's down to half wounds, and then I would fire like two or three of my either my vanguard or my rangers, and they'll just plink off another one or two wounds at a time. Um, and it was just the the big high damage hits stripping them down to four to six wounds left, and then it was just the finishing. Right, well, I'll, if I just keep firing guys at him, I'll get a couple of wounds through. Because if I roll four dice, I'll guarantee getting two, even if he saves. He's then got disgusting resilience. It's only on a five plus. Um, so it is just uh, throw enough at the wall, and it will eventually stick. Um, but yeah, that ended up in a. Uh, fifteen five victory. I think it was. Uh, I think I got five. I think it was five tack ops and um ten uh, points from the primary because I it was end of round two when I'd managed to kill the last plague marine. So I had turns turning point three and turning point four just to move up, claim the remaining objectives, and finish my tack ops. Um. Yeah, the, I only scored five because the the one I failed to score a second point oh, on yes. was protect uh, protect assets, and yeah. because I killed them far too quickly, I only managed to score it in one turn. Yeah, because the way, like um, we talked about this before, but the funny thing is, it makes sense, right? But like security kind of punishes you for killing too quickly, but also I found it, with protect assets, people will just walk away from the points and deny you the tack ops. Even they it they can do it. It depends. Yeah, it depends on what they're thinking of. It also depends on how tough they are. If they've got a large kill team with a lot of models, it's a lot easier to do. But yeah. the, elite, the elite kill teams, they may send one or two people to objectives and you may not kill one of them. So it denies the point, but... In domination, where you have to claim three of them to score two points, and you're trying to score as many points as you can, you kind of have to claim these objectives, especially in the first the first game of the the event. You kind of want to win, and you kind of want to win as best as you can. Um, if he 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 did he was also a relatively new player to kill team, and we had a discussion at the end of the game, and I was pretty honest that even if I was playing the Death Guard, there was very little you I could have done against the um 
the double gun team on the Forge World, other than conceal more, use more, just stay out of sight, use more cover, and just try and go for a turn three, turn four, do as much damage as possible. Um, yeah, because it's like it's, it's really tough very in that matchup. Yeah. yeah, any elite kill team versus a team with ten models with special weapons, unless you can v- really outplay them hard, it's a v- uphill struggle. But that was my round one, a uh, good solid win with five tack ops scored. So I was, I was quite happy to to win uh, and get off to a good start. Yeah, but for me, I was against Grey Knights. Uh, Against the lovely girl called Alistair. So I was my my loadout was that I didn't change this for the entire kill team tournament, but I basically had all the specialists, two boys, bomb squig, and a grot. But my loadout was all the specialists. My knob had a big chopper because I don't like the power claw because it hits on threes, even though it's five slash seven. The big chopper is four dice as well, but it's on twos and it's five slash six. Yeah, the consistency so- is always better than the high damage, I think. Yes, yeah, it is. Uh, so I took uh, eight specialists, a boy, and then the grot. I had picked infiltration. I had t- taken interloper, which I put on my grot, and then I taken upload viral code because uh, it's you have to do for two AP upload viral code once per turning point within red of the opponent's drop zone, which is half of the board because this for this mission your drop zone is nine inches, so six inches on is halfway up the board. So really easy to do that. And then I think I also took, oh, what did I take for infiltration? It was something, else. oh, shock tactics. Uh, so I have to, you reveal it at the end of turning point one. If you've killed someone, you get one VP. And at the end of turning point two, if you control more objectives, you have two VB. So you only have one, you only have two with scoring windows and each one is only once. So you have, it's very limited, but if you can kill someone, it's easy. Um, so... He was the attacker. He'd maybe defend, and he'd chosen to go first because we'd both picked infiltrate. Uh, <clears throat> the interesting thing is he had missed it, but basically he deployed a guy behind his barricade, but it was an inch and a half, and I didn't realize it until after he'd activated. So he moved someone up into the middle after claiming his top point, and then I was like, hmm, the guy he's left in the open with conceal has um, the cybolts, so it's plus one damage. So I measured it. He was more than an inch away, so more than black. Uh, so I burnt my infiltrate, revealed my uh, missile boy who was on the bottom. I'd already burnt Daka, Daka, Daka. Uh, so I rolled three crits and two hits. So AP2 managed to save one. He took like 40, 18 damage and died. So I immediately <laughs> triggered shock tactics already. I was like, yes. And I'd gotten rid of one of his guys and then just moved up. So then he revealed another guy and effectively... Uh, killed my missile boy in return with a shooting attack and then overwatch because he's relentless and he has no cover. So that's fine. <clears throat> and then I dynamited down the middle. So I managed to clip his leader and then another guy who was accidentally one white within. So I like his leader had like four wounds left and another guy had like seven. So then at the end of turning point one, I had scored t- uh, one for the primary because no one had the middle. Um, and then I'd scored one for my tack op. So at the start of turning point two, he had initiative, but he had finished his turn by moving everyone into the middle for central control. So, cause he was like, oh, I'll start at turning point two. I'll reveal to central control. Cause I've got three guys in the middle now. Mm. He shot my, um, oh yeah. Cause I'll explain the dynamite trick. So the way the dynamite trick works is it's in, indi- it's, uh, what do you call it? It's not indirect. It's 
unwieldy. So it's plus yeah. one AP to fire. So normally it's two AP to fire, but I give my people carrying it plus one APL. So I put it on the Breacher Boy, and his special ability is he ignores terrain that's one inch or less thick, one black or less thick, so he can effectively move through terrain freely. So I gave him plus one APL, and then he moved through six, he moved six and then through his dynamite. And I also had up my Daka Boy, because my Daka Boy has a special rule called Daka Dash. So it says uh, you, when you use the Daka Dash, it's one AP, you do a free move and then a re- free dash in any order. But because it's a shoot action, it's, I thought it's a free it shoot and free dash. Um, so I thought it referenced his Dakagon, but it's just any shoot action. So if you give him plus one APL, he can move and then Daka dash with the dynamite, or you can just Daka dash with the dynamite for two APL. So he had missed because at the end of turning point one, I moved my Daka boy up onto the terrain piece near the center. So I realized with Daka dash, I can literally dash and fl- throw the grenade his leader and the other two gray knights because there was only um at the end of turning point two there was only and turning point one there was only three left so i immediately did that wiped out his leader wiped out a gray knight and the other gray knight was just like what happened i have four wounds left uh because i just immediately daka dashed and then just like blew that up and then i wiped out the two gray knights so for some reason we thought we took much longer but at the end of turning point two i'd wiped him out um so then i just mopped up so turning point three uh, I turning end of like because I wiped him out quite early into turning point two. I was able to easily get complete shot tactics and do one for upload viral code. Then turning point three, I just upload viral code and then I interloped. So I maxed out. And so at the end of turning point, at the end of the game, I was actually the only one who had maxed out everything. So I'd maxed out primary, and I was the only person in the tournament to max out my tac ops as well. So I was shocked by that. Uh, but that was pretty much my game. Uh, Game one, so then it goes into Charles for your game two. Yeah, so we we got our lunch break, um, so we had a bit of time to kind of mull over what happened, and then we went to game two, which ended up being the Master Terminals, and I got paired against uh, the only Custody player there, um, <laughs> and I I was kind of confident I could do well versus Custodies because I again I was. I took the uh, the Vanguard and the Rangers with the double special weapons, two plasma guns that can go to AP2, two arc rifles that are both AP1. They're really good against the Custodies because just denying them saves means they're taking damage. And they're uh, five and six damage for the plasma and four and five damage for the arc rifle. So even if they do do um, Aegis of the Legion and you can only do crit, you can only do normal damage to them instead of the crit damage, you're still doing four and five damage, which is enough to chip them down. Yeah. Um, the, my opponent, Ben, he took, um, he was very deliberating. Does he take sisters? Does he take shields? Does he take spears? And he ended up settling on three spears and one shield, which was on his leader. Um, he, he said it was a very difficult decision because the, um, it, you, it was most terms. There's only the four objectives it's very tough to cover them all, but the custodies can do that at, on turn one almost. Um, I got to be attacker though, so he picked his drop zone. I then immediately made the objective on his side of the board, objective one, so it'd be turned off. Um, he then interestingly picked uh, one of the side objectives to be objective two. Um, so that meant if I had pushed up to that one, I wouldn't be able to claim it turn two. 
Um, I then, uh, because on the mission, you don't have to n- pick one, two, three, then four. You can choose any number. I chose objective four to be the other side objective um, because I was um, planning, well, I was hoping to plan uh, to get um, the uh, hold a piece of terrain objective from security. And if it did, if I did, I would pick the piece of heavy terrain next to objective four. So even though it's turned off on turn four, he has no incentive to go towards that to claim it unless he wants to take a person away from another objective to deny me attack op. Um, and then he picked number three for my side. Um, it was um, a pretty good deployment. He deployed uh, two engaged custodians of spear out of sight, uh, and then he deployed one custody because uh, the way the train was set up, he couldn't actually physically get round one piece of terrain. So he had to put a custody almost in the open. He deployed one of his barricades in front of it um, with a conceal order on one side and his shield custodian the other side. Uh, his first turn was he moved up to claim one objective my side and he didn't go into the... Oh, no, he did actually. He scrambled over a piece of train into the middle where the objective two was and claimed that. So he was already on two points and I only scored one in the first round but it's very difficult to score versus three APL teams when you're a two APL team um, because you just physically can't get to them and score them without any way of giving yourself extra AP. Yeah because you did the I, standard like custodies push. Yeah but if I'd if I'd taken this is where if I had taken Hunter Clade I could have given one of my models an extra AP ran like move dash and then possibly claimed one of the objectives but then he would just be utterly murdered by a custody um so it's one of those ones hunter case would have done better there but in my first turn of firing uh with every with essentially my entire kill team on the one custody who i could see um because he'd moved uh two he'd moved his two shooting custodies out eventually um because i had 11 models to his four so I, I used a few actions just to shuffle people around to get him to have to move out, out of cover. And I killed one whole custody with spear in turn one uh, and scored one objective myself. Uh, I also had central control. and I ran a guy to the middle of the board just to claim the central control. And he, he let me have it because he couldn't cover the objectives and cover the middle of the board. Oh, because you killed a without, guy? Yeah, also without him basically stretching himself too thin um so i i kind of got off on a a good start killing a custodian round one um round two it was um a bit a bit trickier the uh the custodies uh, i managed to kill i managed to eventually kill another custodian round two he scored another two points though and i only scored one because he could score the one by his side and he scored uh, the one where he, he'd run up to, which was objective four. Um, I, with uh, with tactical objectives, he we both had security and we both had um, hold a piece of heavy terrain. He chose the piece that was nearest to objective two, and I chose the piece nearest to objective four. So we they were on opposite sides of the board, and that that actually in the last round became a quite important thing. Um, but he was. He was he was using Age of the Legion and not the double shoot actions, so he was only Age getting of the Emperor. yeah sorry Age of the Emperor. so yeah he was only getting one shot off generally and through some 
quite poor dice rolling. Um, I actually managed to save an amount of the shots. I would lo- I was losing like half a guy, and then he was having to waste another shot to kill the guy. <laughs> um, just just through sheer luck of me being in cover, him not rolling any crits, so he didn't have pierce, um, and just being quite lucky. Um, he also had a bit of bad luck with some of his saves. Um, the worst luck was a re- uh, his leader had six wounds remaining and a radium carbine hit him three times, which only does two damage with each shot, and he rolled triple ones and had no <laughs> command points left. Um, it's It was a very swingy backwards and forwards game. Um, and every time I killed a custodian turn two and I killed a custodian turn three, and he it was just everyone everyone that was lost was just another blow and he then couldn't go for another objective um and it was he had one spear custody left at the end of the game who was untouched who was holding his his heavy train objective on the side of the board and uh he managed to just kill um one of my um one of my vanguard who was going to score me an objective in the, round, uh. in the final round uh, and I was left with a choice of I had my leader on between objectives one and four. He could either move to objective one to score objective one and also deny hold the line or move backwards towards objective four, not score an objective, but score a, my tack op. And I was doing the math. And it's like, well, if I do this, I score this, but he'll score this. And it ended up being the the best move was to move over, score the primary, deny his secondary, and we ended in a, an actual straight draw. We both scored five points of primary <laughs> and only three points of secondary. And I was, with that result, I was really happy that I managed to draw versus the custodies. I was down to one wounded, um, one wounded vanguard who was hiding behind his heavy terrain objective, denying him the second point from it. And my leader, who was on the other side of the board, denying his hold the line, um, and it was it was such a close game. And the custodians being reduced to three AP was probably the main thing that did it. Um, them not being able to move and dash and shoot twice, or charge, kill a guy, then shoot two people afterwards, or even just charge, kill a guy, shoot a guy, claim an objective. Just the being reduced to being able to do three actions instead of four was huge, and the cha- not having Brotherhood of Demigods also was massive because generally he wasn't he was getting he got one to two Overwatch shots off, but I was also positioning so most of my things would be out of sight for Overwatch. Yeah, um, but it, it was ended in a straight draw, which was one of the only few very few draws but in round two it was huge because it it meant it knocked us both out of being able to win the win event the um you saved the tournament and dest- and ruined it at the same time charles yeah but it was uh i was happy it was there was uh, a, a couple of things that we were both in in the final turning point we were both very much taking it very slow and deliberating of the well which model do i do first because if i do this first i can score this but then it may let him score that and I had to make I made I made a choice which if I'd done a different choice, I may have won by a point, but also it could have caused me to lose by a point if um if it just if it'd gone ever so slightly differently. So I was happy with taking a draw over a loss. Um 
But yeah, yeah custodians, custodians have been brought off of their pedestal, but they are by no means a dead kill team. They are still incredibly good with their stat line. Yeah, because like well, um, we basically feel like this mission pack heavily favors elite teams like Custodies because like this is their mission, and the fact you're yeah. able to do that is a really good sign because before it would have just been a whitewash. Yeah, oh, I say there was um, he was deliberating taking the sisters because we we talked about it at the end of the game. It's like if he'd taken the sisters, he probably would have taken Sword Sisters. They would have just moved up onto the points and stayed concealed. Uh, so if I want to go and take the point, I've got to go and deal with a a power sword wielding eight wound monster um i uh, it may have gone better it may have gone worse uh i if i could have still killed the two custodians turn one two i probably could have then cleaned up a couple of sisters and held objectives in the last turns but if we'd played different kill teams it would have been a different game so there's there's it could have gone either way at any point yeah because happy happy with a draw versus custodies that's a good result uh but for me I was now ranked first, so in the last tournament they were doing random pairings. This time they were just doing highest versus highest. So I was yeah, so up they... against the person who was second highest. Um, so I was against what's his name? Uh, Dale. Dale, uh, yeah, Dale. and he was using Warp Coven. So this was something I'd been preparing about, but I had no idea still. So the thing I learned from the Commandos matchup I did last tournament was I should just constantly ask instead of just like ignoring what they do. So I immediately, he was very clear of what he was doing and I was expecting him to go full sorcerers and rubrics, but he went two sorcerers and the rest were Zangors. But I made sure I was constantly asking what that stuff do, does to make me remember. The biggest thing, he had an indirect spell that had blast black. So it was a one inch blast. So it stopped me bunching up, but then he also had a spell called flux blast, which was more damaging, but with blast white. So I had to space out a bit more. He was cagey of my dynamites. And effectively, because I was the attacker, like this is something I learned from Charles. Uh, it's one of the commando stratagems. It's a tactical stratagem. Uh, I'll bring it up in a minute. But effectively, what it does, it's you can only use it when you're setting up your operatives. So for a CP, you can set up someone within black of a heavy trait terrain feature that is more than red from enemy operatives and de their deploy their drop zone. So what I did is I paid a CP, thanks to Charles, to drop both my slasher boy on the bottom right objective and my, well, basically next to it, because he could have effectively dashed and then moved and dashed to capture the bottom right objective. So I was immediately contesting objective four, uh, the a sneaky git. And then top left, I can just move and claim it because I was the attacker. I picked infiltrate, he picked infiltrate. So obviously I made myself go first. Now, I know you're probably saying, oh, you can't play the same stratagem twice, but that rule only applies during the turning point. This stratagem happens during deployment, which is outside the turning point. So there's no limit. You just have two CP. So I burnt my CP on deploying my guys. And then I held another CP just for just a scratch. So I passed on that. And effectively turn one, I claimed the top left objective. And I had my tack ops with sneaky uh, shock tactics blow up. He picked the terrain feature in his deployment zone and then interloper. So the grot, he had one of his tack ops was he could switch one for his CP. And then his other tack ops, I nominate an objective and operative. If he controls the objective, he gets a VP at any point. And if he kills that operative, he gets a VP. So obviously I nominated the commando grot with the intention he was never going to get that VP. So I claim the top left. 
then he charges with the Zangor. And this, he's like, oh, this is my melee Zangor. He's got Relentless. He's doing four slash five. And he like rerolls everything. So he rolled two crits and a hit. So I rolled two, a crit and three hits. So then he was like, oh, I'll crit you. And I was like, okay, I will parry you. And he goes, cool, I'll crit you. And then I was like, it's just a scratch. And then he was like, oh. So then his Zangor was there. I was like, how many wins has his Zangor got? Eight. And I was like, cool, he's dead. And I was like, yes, I've just scored shock tactics without having to worry about killing anyone else. Uh, and then he char- uh, Then I moved my slasher boy onto free. I should have just deployed him on free. I was just being silly. And then I just claimed. So I got two VP immediately. Then he charged with his other Zangor into it. And then that Zangor fluffed and got murdered by the slasher boy. So I, he had already charged two guys. One I had to burn, it's just a scratch. But then the other guy just fluffed. So I was already, I'd eliminated his, his um, advantage. He charged another Zangor into the boy. Though he didn't manage to roll any crits, so he he took four damage from the boy, <laughs> and then he he killed the boy and he he swarmed that objective. But I claimed mine, so I, I at the end of turn point one I had three from primary, one from my tack op, and I stupidly moved my grot up onto the bottom left terrain feature and then dashed him forward, and then he moved his angle up, and I realized crap, he is now exactly eight inches away, so he can. He was four inches, but because of the ch- climb, he could charge. So I need to win priority, or I have to spend a de- uh, my CP to move my shush. So it's once per game dash in any direction if you're concealed or you're not visible with engage. So effectively, I lost priority, so I had to spend my only CP to basically dash the grot out of the way. I had pushed everyone into the middle anyway, so all I bent, oh, I like because I was like literally, if this grot dies now, I lose. He gets a VP for it, but I also lose two VP, so I can't do that. So I, I burnt my CP to dash my grot away. And then, so what he did, he immediately claimed free, but he forgot I had shock tactics because he was like, I don't have to hold the objectives. Like, no, you just you can just claim them, then you can walk away. You don't have to sit on them. And he's like, cool. So he claimed them and then start walking away, spaced out. Uh, I used my first dynamite to dynamite his sorcerer, and I brought his main sorcerer leader down to seven wounds, his other sorcerer down the bottom, he activated to pop his like um his thingy for the anti-movement stuff. And then I just murdered him via shooting. And then I managed to control the bottom point because he just charged blocked on. But he had one operative down below. I dacker-dashed down and I shot the banner guy. So he only had two wounds. So the banner guy was just like, well, I've got nothing left. So he charged into the dacker boy and did free damage, then died. But he effectively had lost that flank. And then I managed to mop up and basically end of turning point two, he claimed two, I claimed one, but he had moved away from objective three. So objective two was turned off. So I just moved on to two with my missile boy because he couldn't shoot anyone. He was just keeping people out of the way. So I was controlling two. He was only controlling one. So I managed to max out shock tactics because he forgot to stay on the objectives. Then turning point three, uh, what turned it for me was... The guy on um, objective two only had one wound left for my burner boy. So I immediately dacker dashed up. I stupidly didn't dash. I only dashed two inches instead of three. So when I dacker dashed, I was an inch out of my full rerolls. So I rolled three hits. He rolled three saves because we rolled at the same time. So I was like, I've got one CP left. I want for itch just a scratch. But if I don't burn this reroll now and I mit- and I hit, if I if I let him get that point, he's going to potentially uh, get up in points because if I kill that guy now he has no way to claim that objective because he had moved his sorcerer 
up on top to claim vantage. So he had no one who could actually physically move and claim. Hmm. So I managed, I, I spent my CP after the, but like thinking about it for a minute and it felt like an eternity and it rolled onto a five. So I managed to just kill that guy. And then I was in within uh, blue of the objective I needed to blow up. And I also hook shotted my guy down. So we only got one VP each that turning point, but crucially I'd stopped him getting another. And then at the last turning point, he, I had managed to kill enough of his Zangors that he didn't have enough left. His sorcerer was like living on two wounds. So his sorcerer did advantage. And then he was, well, I think by error, by doing it twice on the same piece, same piece. But he was like, I'm going to shoot your guy, your grot on uh, where the terrain piece you need to blow up. And I was like, you can't. It was like, uh, but advantage ignores conceal. And I was like, I had to go on a show like, it doesn't if you've got the heavy terrain because I'm behind heavy terrain. But then I also forgot the grot. I only found this at the end of the tournament, but the grot has a gene stealer rule where it just ignores everything in terms yeah, of conceal. It, it always has a conceal. If it's concealed, it always has a conceal and ignores rules that would get around a conceal. Like yeah, so the point. only way you can get around by shooting him is by with being within white of him or if he's in the open. So he was like, oh, I can't score that now. And I was like, yep. Because basically I could have interloped with that grot immediately, but the reason I didn't was to fake out that I was going to use the grot to do blow up. But also because he was trying to kill that grot, he was dedicating Zangors and trying to get his sorcerer into a position where he could shoot the grot, even though that was never going to happen. So I was being risky leaving the grot alive, but I was like, I'm never going to let you score that, but it's going to make you make mistakes trying to score that. So then what I did, because blow it top is one AP, but you can only do dash and no other actions apart from blow up. So I dashed my Daka boy. He didn't, he never popped his dynamite, by the way. He just held onto it. He used it to deny the area. I blew up his building for two AP. Uh, for 2vp and then my last activation i popped off and i'd claimed one objective he could only claim one he couldn't get the others because he had no one to move win uh, within range because objective four was turned off in the top left and he had no one to contest and my burner boy claimed objective his objective in the bottom left before he died so i managed to finish 13 7 but i crucially maxed out on my tack ops so that was a really tough game because I was effectively learning the matchup as I played and I got a narrow win, but I mean on the primaries, but I was like in that mission, I knew once I was ahead enough on the primaries, I can just, as long as I stop him scoring, if I've got enough of a lead, I know I'm going to max out my tack up. So I don't need to care about, you know, rushing onto the points because it's not about primaries, it's about secondaries. And yeah, it basically works as that. It was a super intense game. We finished with like five minutes left. Well, oh, it, was, it was super tough. But yeah, that, that was my uh, round, well, game two. Yeah, and again, you, you only scored seven primary, so you you only scored over half on that. Yeah. But um, you scoring full tack ops is uh, what really scored it there for you. Yeah, because my game plan for that mission was never to max out the primary. It was just get enough primary to outscore my opponent because he got four from his primary. Oh, no, he got four from his tack ops, but only three from the primary. So mm. I had massively denied him on. Oh, no, he, he got four four primary and two tack ops. You actually heavily denied his tack ops. Oh, oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. I think, yeah. I think that was the one. Um, uh, but that yeah, but that was my game free. So Charles, it's your game. And no, I was going two sorry. So Charles, it's yeah. your game free. Uh, yeah. So round three, I, I was essentially on one win, one draw, which put me above the the one win one losses um but below the two wins 
I wasn't sure what would happen with best coast pairings if it would um, if it would pair us up or pair us down um, because there was uh, eight people who were on two and zero. Oh. And what it then did is it kept all those eight people together and it paired um, me and Ben, who drew, into the the one-on-one bracket. Um, I then uh, got paired against uh, Drakari, who I hadn't actually played against at all up to that point. I'd read them and they look they look good. They have lethal 5-plus on all their guns, which is really useful. They're low-damaging, but being able to roll more crits means they're harder to negate. Um we were doing um, escalating hostilities, so it played towards pushing towards each other. So I selected um, a Vanguard fire team with a plasma and an arc rifle, and I selected um, three Sakarans and a Sakaran Alpha as my other half. And I had two with power swords, one with a taser goad, and the leader had a power sword, and they all had stub carbines. So versus the eight wound Drakari, they have ceaseless bolt guns so they're three four damage um so i knew at range i'm i got a pretty good chance and if he did charge me or i charge him i've got power swords um ah yes so uh i was the attacker so i made him be the defender he only actually had uh cabalite warriors he didn't actually have any witches so he had um a leader with an agonizer and a blast pistol uh, a blaster, a shredder, and a dark lance. He deployed on his side of the board. He put his dark lance up on the vantage point with an engage order. Um, he then had a mixture of engage and conceals. His shredder and blast had engages, and they were hidden behind cover. He had a few of his splinter rifles with engage and a few with um, conceals. Uh, I set up similarly on the opposite side of the board with both my plasma rifle and my arc rifle up on the vantage point with engage, and I set everything up with engage orders. Um, knowing that he only had half as many shots back at me, I knew I could take any casualties from shooting. Um, and I essentially I spread out across my deployment zone. Half of my the way the train was laid up, there was a um, a piece of heavy train essentially blocking a quarter of your deployment zone uh, and hiding one of the objectives. So I hid four or five of my models behind there rest behind the light cover that was in my area and my my other two up on the vantage point and uh i chose infiltrate he chose recon so i got to choose initiative the first turn um i even though i had everything on engage i chose infiltrate because if he chose infiltrate i would still win with as the attacker um i didn't think he would choose uh, fortify because he put he'd already put everything behind cover so I was pretty sure he wasn't going to apply for an extra barricade. And I was guessing he was going to take the dash to try and move up to a point. So um, it paid off in my favor. My first shot of the game was my plasma gun vaporizing his dark lance off the roof of the building um, with, uh, I think it was two crits and a hit again. Uh, I, I overcharged because I had to, I had to make sure I killed the bright lance, uh, the dark lance, because it'll one-shot anything it fires back at. Mm. Um, that was my first shot. He killed it. Uh, he then moved out um, his blaster. Uh, no, wait. Is the blaster with shred? Uh, it's, no, the shredder is the one with the AP. It's odd. The the shredder is the one that has... The blast. Blast. And the, the blaster is the one that has the AP. So, yeah, he moved his blaster out. He had a line at my plasma gun. He fired. He... 
destroyed my plasma gun in return because again he fired an AP2 weapon back. But I was happy with that result because I'd killed his Dark Lance. His blaster had now moved out into the open. Um, I then retaliated and killed the blaster back, and it was it was very much his special weapons moved out. They killed a guy. I killed them back. Um, his splinter rifles just weren't getting enough damage through. He wasn't rolling any fives, and he was only rolling threes and fours, so they're only doing two damage at a time. Um, I'd chosen security. He'd also... Did he also choose security? Um, yeah, he'd also chose security. I think he, we. I only saw two of his tack ops. I think his last one might have been plant banners, but he never got close enough to my drop zone to do. Um, and again, I had uh, central control, uh, protect assets, and what was the third one I had? Seize ground. I, oh no, hold the line. Was hold the, the third line. One yeah. I had, and that one I was pretty much guaranteed it because he was never going to get anywhere near my deployment zone. And essentially, I took my two, and I also moved up and took one of the mid ones early. Um, and I played just very aggressively, knowing he had real no real combat threat. I had um, a couple of Skarans move up um, to give a big forward threat. Uh, it was a very bloody game in the end. Um, shots were going back and forth. I was, I was losing models, but I was killing them in return. And I, I started with... I, I had nine to his ten models to begin with, so I got an early Overwatch shot off, and then um, we were down to like even numbers in rounds two and three, um, but the the game just kind of I, I I managed to score five tack ops by the end of the game and ten primary, and he only managed to score three primary and two tack ops. Oh, um, after but and I I'd, I'd wiped him out. I think I only had three. Yeah, I only actually had three models left at the end of the game when I managed to wipe him out. But I'd I'd moved up and pushed up hard enough to the middle that I. He was having to contest the point. He was having to run a person to contest the point in the middle um, just to try and stop me. But then I had spare attacks or I had a, a spare guy left to kill him. Um, so he, I think we ended up with um, a wounded Sakara and holding one point uh, who in the previous round had charged He'd shot one. He'd shot one guy on the other side of the board, and then charged the guy on the nearest point, so he then couldn't be shot and killed. Because um, that is a, a the sneaky thing you can do is if you can if you're in range of somebody who's already activated, and you're confident they can't kill you in the next turn in, a, in an attack, you just charge into them. You don't attack them at all, and you're now locked in combat, so you're now invulnerable to being shot at. Yeah, and if you're them, yeah. Yeah, and if you're on a point, because uh, he was on a point and he was within three of the center of the board, so he was claiming me central control and he was claiming me a point. Uh, and all that while, he was now being immune to being shot at. Um, but it was a it was a, a, a good game. The Drakari were, were interesting. Their strategies were quite good. So they have one where you can reroll two dice if you're shooting an enemy model who is a uh, half or less wounds which he'd managed to wound several people in the first round but oh. like, without killing them, but he'd managed to wound them. And then he used that in the, the following round, and suddenly being able to reroll two dice ups the, uh, ups the amount of damage you can actually do. Um, it's a pretty pretty good stratagem, but the the Drakari seemed good. Um, 
people have said witches aren't great because um, they're very you have to get in combat but the moment they're in combat they'll either kill something or die and if they do kill something they'll then be out of position and get shot um they feel good they've got eight wounds they've got a four up save which is pretty good but I feel they're if you lose your key pieces like your special weapons early, they just don't have the resilience or firepower to really pull back much. But it was a it was a good game and it ended um fifteen to five to me. Um so I ended up on two wins and a draw. So a pretty a pretty solid uh result um overall, which I was happy with. No, that's very good because uh, well, well we'll do the scores later but yeah that was a yeah very good result because like Drukari are tough I've played them a lot they're like surprisingly yeah surprisingly strong uh, but yeah. for me uh, I was obviously the well you had told me at the end of round two was like because I was the only one on 12 tack up points so like you said the guy behind me was on 10 so it's like yeah we 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 saw the we saw the um, the results coming in from the previous round and it's you were you were ahead by two from the next person behind you, so a good score could, would clinch you the would clinch you the uh, the event. Yeah, to guarantee myself victory, I had to get I had to win with five tack up scores, and I was guaranteed to win the event because we were only doing three mm. rounds. So it, it was it was a lot of pressure for you to score the best you could. Yeah, it was a lot. A lot yeah, the pressure wasn't so bad. Uh, I was against Warp Coven again because Warp Coven were once again second because Warp Coven were basically messing up everyone until they ran into my commandos. Because like the warp coven are super flexible, so I was like, okay, I didn't want to play warp coven again. It was like the one kill team I'm not prepared for, but it's fine. And then the guy was like a gentleman. It was Alan, and then he was like, oh yeah, I'm just running all rubrics. I was like, great, this is a completely different matchup now because he's he's not using the angles, he's using all the rubrics. So I was like, okay, but we're playing escalating hostilities. He was the attacker, so he made me the defender. No, he he ran the roll-off and wanted to be the defender, I think. No, he was the attacker, yeah. So he gave me um, the, the the piece on the left, because basically we both had a vantage point, but his vantage point denied more of my terrain pieces, but I had two heavy. So basically I couldn't deploy anyone in the middle, but I could deploy people in the flank. And my attack ops were sabotage, shock tactics, and uh, infiltrate. So, you know, I'm... I'm getting the same ones a lot, but I literally had to dunk a few ones because for infiltrate, uh, for interlope, sorry, because there was like, I was tempted to take, uh, what do you call it, implant over it, like, because instead of like shock taxis or whatever, but I drew it, 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 implant and interlope together. So I was drawing good tack ops I wanted, and I was just like, interlope's the one I have the most control over. So I picked that. Turn one, I was all concealed. We both picked infiltrate. Um, so I had my sniper boy and Daka boy on vantage points with conceal. And then I had the ability to, f- uh, flip one of my guys, my Daka, obviously same loadout and everything. Daka boy had conceal, but he had the, what do you call it? The dynamite. So he moved up into the middle, then moved, uh, a rubric behind a sorcerer cause rubrics can only move red. So six inches and he was within two. So I was like, I need to score shock tactics. I have to do this now. So I waited for him to pass because I was like, he's already moved into the middle. He knows what my dagger dash does. He had played his thing, his spell. So my da- so my dashes were only one black instead of uh, one blue because he minus two from that. But even then, I was just within one black. So just within an inch of, of shooting. 
So what he did, he moved one of his sorcerers down from the vantage point because this sorcerer had flux blast. So I was like, I can't deploy anyone in the middle because this is blast and he would just like obliterate someone. And then he passed on his heavy gunner who has six shots with like AP AP one, three slash four. So that just murders everyone because you only have two defense. Uh, but I was like, screw it. I need to score shock tactics. So I immediately Daka dashed up by after giving my, my comms boy gave him an AP. Uh, he was just within range. Daka, Daka, Daka. I knocked his sorcerer down to two wounds and I knocked his rubric down to seven. And then he was like, wow. And then immediately after that, like he shot it um, with an overwatch and effectively almost killed the Daka boy. Like the Daka boy was not destined. For, like I was surprised if the Daka boy lasted the end of the turning point because he was in the open. But, um, and then I immediately shot with my sniper boy uh, and he rolled two crits and his uh, sorcerer had two wounds left. So I was like, he's just dead. And he's like, oh, why? Mortal wounds too. So it's just because I rolled a crit. I do mortal wounds. They apply immediately, then we roll. So his sorcerer is dead. Immediately score shock tactics. So I was like, great. Uh, and I was denying him central control. And then I moved up. So then end of turning point one, we had kind of moved in a way that basically I'd baited my burner boy with a chopper. So his, he had a melee sorcerer with fly who could charge nine inches, who could charge me, but I couldn't charge him. But I was like, this is perfect. I want him to charge me. So was, he wins priority for turning point two, charges my burner boy down the bottom, almost murders him, but I use just a scratch because I was like, he rolls like five crits. So I'm like, okay, he's going to kill me in two hits, but I, he's got 13 wounds. So I need to make, make sure I can one shot him. So I hit him, I roll a crit and a hit. So he hits me for a crit. And I'm like, cool, I'll hit you for a crit. And he's like, cool, I'll hit you for a crit. And I'll go, it's just a scratch. And I'll hit you for four. So I do nine damage. And then he kills my burner boy, but he's got five wounds left. So then I br I bring back my slasher boy to counter charge and roll a crit because he's got relentless and kills him. So I immediately wipe out that sorcerer. I use my rocket boy and sniper boy to get rid of his, um, what do you call it? The guy with the heavy gunner, because the guy with the heavy gunner shot my knob because my knob was in the open, did 12 wounds to him and left him on one. So I, I sacrificed my two guys to blow up that, um, bl blow up the, the gunner. So I got him out of the way. And then he only had one sorcerer left and I managed to dynamite that sorcerer and the rubrics. Didn't do much damage. It didn't kill anyone, but it just heavily wounded everyone. And then I just started mopping up. So by the end of turning point three, uh, he had three guys in the middle, but he was only controlling one objective and I was only controlling one. So I had to run my comms boy onto the middle objective, the lower middle, and then last activation, move my knob on to the last point. He had only one wound. So I was like, it's a suicide play. I will get three points from the primary, but I will ensure shock tactics. So I've maxed out one of my tack ops. But then I realized at the end of turning point two, I only had two more turns to effectively score blow it up, not blow it up, sabotage. So sabotage is an infiltration ploy. It's two AP to do, and you have to blow up terrain features that are within red or within your opponent's drop zone. So there were two pieces, one on opposite ends of the board. So what I did, uh, I used the trick I'd learned instead of just, because APL modifiers carry over until that operative activates if they've already activated. So what I did is I activated my boy first, put him within red of my leader, activated my leader. Uh, so the boy was basically red from the terrain piece and he was within red of my leader. So last activation activated my leader and gave the boy plus one APL. 
And then I'd also, because I'd moved my comms boy onto the point, I'd done it in such a way that when I moved up the grot, the grot was in behind cover, but within red of my comms boy. So he wins priority, immediately guns down my knob, and then moves into the center to get like, so he was getting central control and he was for turning point three, but he only had one guy left. Um, so I immediately I moved my boy up and with the free APL. So he moved red, one AP, blew up the first building for two. He's like, cool, I'll just shoot that boy. I was like, that's fine. And then I immediately, after he'd activated, I charge blocked him, charged and like tied them up so he couldn't overwatch anymore. And then I used my grot to hook shot onto the other Tered piece in the bottom right and blow that up. So because sabotage is one of the weird things where you can score it in one turn, as long as you just have the AP and the operatives. So in turning mm. point three, I maxed out sabotage. Yeah, because it just has to be two different terrain features, um, yes. and it costs two AP to do. Normally, uh, you can't do it unless you're a three AP team or have AP manipulation. Yeah, and I was really proud of that because I was like, I've just figured that out on the fly. I, I remembered it because I pointed out in my review of tackles, but I was like, this is the most efficient thing I can do. And then, so at the end of turning point three, we both had two VP, and then I won priority immediately charged my slasher boy into his last two um, rubrics, killed one, and then the other guy just punched me, and then I, my slasher boy killed him back because he rolled four crits. So I was like, wow. And then I interloped off. So I maxed out uh, my attack hops already. So I got six from my attack hops, and I got 11 on the primary. And so it ended 17-7, I think, 17 or 17-6 so, or something like that to me. But that was, uh, yeah, it was super tough. It it seems deceptive, but like uh, Alan was a great opponent. He he was underselling himself because he was doing so well with the warp coven. It was just like I was just learning the matchup as I played, and I was just able to edge out things partly due to like it's just a scratch and just lucky rolls on like damage attacks, like especially with the dynamite, like because that was almost not in range. So he he almost managed to deny that. So. That was super tight, but it was super fun. He was like, even though all my matches were really good, he was like, it was just a pleasure to play him because I know you've played him, Charles. And like, because there was his yeah. wife and he had like his mascots, which you'll see on like when I do the proper event review. It was really nice. Like, it was just really fun. And we were both had a good time. It was really clear. Mm. Uh, but so we'll go on to the event summary. So, Charles, how did you place? Uh, I ended up placing fifth. Uh, so we we knew going in the event uh, with roughly thirty odd players, there should be four to five uh, undefeated players. Yes. Um, and when in round two, I scored a draw. It suddenly meant okay. Well, that definitely means there's going to be four undefeated. If I win my last game, I should be in the fifth, sixth position. Um, so I ended up I ended up sixth, uh, sorry, fifth, which is one better than I did last time. When I ended up sixth, um, so getting a draw instead of a loss bumped me up a point in this event. Um, it was uh, what was my my actual final score was? Uh, I scored uh, thirteen secondaries out of eighteen, which I felt was pretty good. Um, could have scored, like I say, could have scored a couple of extra, but it might have also not scored so great in some of the other ones. Um, but 39 total victory points and 13 secondaries, I'm pretty happy with. Um, oh, yeah, you did really well. You did better than you did last time because last time you came sixth, this time you came fifth with a better result. So, you're, yeah, you're... It, was, it was the difference of getting a draw over a loss pumped me up an extra point, essentially. 
but you are still the best Adeptus Mechanicus player in the country, slash the world. I mean, someone won so Cal well, Open, so on, you're no longer on, the best on, in the world. On, on BCP, for the events that have happened in the UK, I don't think there's been that many Forge World players. I wouldn't say I'm the best, but I I know what they can do, and I was happier playing Forge World than Hunter Clades. I'm afraid, but, Charles, you're the best. It's, yeah, it's the proof. I said the Hunter Clade players, the other Hunter Clade players, they did generally quite good. They were all, I think they were generally two wins and a loss and scoring a good number of secondaries but it's, it's if you get that one loss it does just knock you out of being able to to win yeah no but it's like yeah you still did really well and you were the highest ranked um outside of the undefeated players because yeah spoilers yeah. Orc, Orc commando somehow ended up undefeated like so i know one of the games yeah, so- close they were playing against uh, nick bain was playing infiltrators against them and he said like they said they only lost because it came down to a dice roll so they, they were in mm. melee so whoever got the more successes would have won so yeah it, it was interesting because it, it seems going to the final round with eight players who were on two and oh four of them being commandos somehow none of the commando players got a mirror match they were all against different opponents yeah, because I'm looking ah. at the BCP app now, and the reason it was is because it was. Um, and it's like every other opponent was. It was commanders. like orcs, somebody, orcs, somebody, orcs, somebody, and it just paired them one, two, three, four. Yeah, because it um, was um, orc. Uh, oh, hold on, let me bring it up. Yeah, it was uh, orcs, then Zinch, then orcs, then Forge World, then Space Marine, then orcs, and then orcs and something else. So it was just yeah. because they were doing strongest versus strongest. So if it was random, yeah, so, you probably would have got uh, orc pairings. Yeah, that was the weird up with uh, four, four commandos versus four others. And, and all the uh, commandos won. It's their fault. Yeah. They should have, some of the commandos should have tanked. It's ridiculous. Uh, well, it, it, it goes to show that they're a very strong um, team. So yeah. John won as he scored maximum secondaries overall. So he scored full 18 secondaries, yes, putting did. him in first place. Um the second place was Andrew Foote, who scored second uh, fourteen secondaries. Uh, then we had Josh with eleven secondaries and Gavin with only nine. Yep. But because he was also uh, three wins undefeated, um, that's why he's in fourth place, even though he scored nine secondaries. So, oh yeah, yeah, he scored um, one of the lowest. Uh, yeah, like he, I also he, he scored, scored. He, scored, he scored relatively few secondaries, but winning games is what wins you events, essentially. Yeah, and um, I also, for pro- victory points, I had the most as well. So I had 48 out of 56. So I only missed eight VPs outside the entire tournament. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, something yeah, like that. You'd, you'd manage to, again, knowing the, knowing the missions we were going to be playing, if not the order we were playing them in, allowed us to practice how to score the missions. Um Otherwise, if you go into an event blind and they throw three missions at you, and you maybe it's one you maybe haven't practiced a lot, and you're not sure how to score it, um, it can cause you to trip up on how the mission works. Because there's a couple with very similar names that have very similar um, mission action names, but they work differently. It's uh, like secure seize ground and secure ground or something for one of them. Yeah, and one of them is when you do it it locks it down and then you can move away from it and until your opponent does it they uh, it remains in your control and the other one is you do it to score a point but then um you have to then do it again next turn to score another point uh but they both called like seize ground or something like something very similar um but knowing the missions we could we could practice and prepare for what we would 
hopefully see, hopefully not see. And it paid off in the end, I believe. Yeah, I I was like, yeah, because I, I scored my goal. My goal was like, I was like, I have to score my tag ops and I did. Uh, I was happy with all the tech I like came up with. Thanks for you. And like the Daka Dash stuff I learned from like Glass Half Dead's Discord. Well, that's thing. And, and seeing other Orc players play um, and just assimilating the tactics. And like I said, it's the versatility that the Orcs have. Um, and not just playing them as a combat force, because, yeah, they've got a great thing. They can charge from concealed. It's amazing. But also with um, Daka 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 as a strategic ploy, being able to re-roll shooting attacks, they're generally rolling four to five dice with a re-roll, um, and you can actually put out a lot of fire, and the dynamite being a shooting attack is a is a, a cherry on top, really. Well, it's, it, Daka 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 isn't a reroll, but it's, if you roll any crits, and oh, sorry, yeah, you, you, you can retain. To... Uh, you can return. Well, if you retain any crits, you can change a miss into a hit. But yeah, when you're rolling four better. dice, you have a fifty-one point three percent chance or something like that to roll a crit, which is a roll a six. Mm. So you're effectively making all your dynamites hit. And that just like that's what I do. But the thing is, the dynamite is the threat range, so it's like area denial. So like yeah. in, in game two, I never used my second dynamite. Uh, it just stopped my opponent coming near me. So I basically was able to claim the bottom right and then the bottom left flank because he didn't want to come near my dynamite because he was like, "That's just going to kill me." So the problem is, p- uh, the thing I found if people weren't prepared because I had two, the first one would mess them up and then they would panic against the second. And if they were prepared, they would play on edge and space out as until both were spent. So either way allowed me to control board space. And mm. because I could dump APL onto those guys, I wasn't like aiming for turn one dynamite. If I could turn one dynamite, that was great. Generally, I aimed for turn two dynamite because I positioned my guys turn one. Then turn two, I go, cool, you're pushing for the middle, dynamite, dynamite. And it just got someone like I did in game one. So that's the flexibility of it. And then, as I said, I have a melee guy. I have like strong melee generally because a lot of my guys have choppers, which are four attacks to enforce slash five hitting on freeze. Then I have amazing shooting. Like my MVP is the Grot. I always say this. The Grot is the MVP. Mm. He always had infiltrate, but it was like um, I would – I mean, he always interlope, but I would always interlope him in the last turning point because I either used him to – in practice games to stop hold the line he would steal objectives but also uh my opponent would have to if you if you interlope him immediately your opponent goes cool i don't don't have to think about him but if you keep him yeah, alive you can just, just use him as a distraction yeah that's what he was he was just like distracting around dancing around the edge of the board because they go like oh you've got sabotage you've got blow it up obviously you're going to use the the grot to do that and i was like no no this, this grot is just going to dance around the battlefield and then disappear if you can capture objectives, that's the best. Because um, there was another objective. It's like, get on with it, basically. if You can only score it between turning points one, two, and three. But you need three or more operatives within red of their deployment zone. So when I was playing game one, I couldn't take that because that was interlope and that one. So I was like, I'll just go with interlope. But he's really good for just being in your deployment and like disrupting the opponent. So my grot was the MVP then. After that, it would be the guys that give plus one APL. And then finally, it would be the Rocket Boy, because the Rocket Boy was just a big threat range that people were like, go, damn, I can't go here because you're Rocket Boy. And then when you couple mm. him with the Sniper Boy, the Sniper Boy is just always firing from concealed. So if you flip out from concealed to shoot him, my Sniper Boy just shoots you back. 
yeah, the, the the Rocket Boy has a very, very strong attack, and you 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 have to kind of play around it. Um, but that that's that's my what what were your MVPs like? Mine was the Grog, um, obviously. Well, really, it was in in the game versus the Death Guard and versus the um, Towns of the Emperor. It was the the being able to take the double special weapons, so the two plasma calverines and the two arc rifles. Um, just the high damage, high AP. They really did the job. Uh, and in the last game, take, again, I I took the Scarans because they're ten wounds. They're they're strong bodies. Uh, and they have a very good shooting attack, and they've got a very good melee attack. So. It was Scarns in the Scarns in the third game, but it was definitely the taking double special weapons in the uh, the first games or the first two games were, were the MVPs for me. Because um, again, I, I being the Forgeable team that hunts clades, I don't have so many specialists, and especially not being the Orcs where it's all specialists. It's more how the team did overall being MVP um, because it's just like well, I've got my regular guys and my special my, my special guns. Um, but yeah, it's. I, w- I was thinking if I before the event maybe if I should have built a um, uh, Arcubus to take. It's a it's a good it's a very strong gun, but because it has both heavy and unwieldy, it requires a lot of setup to use. And if it gets played around, it's actually a detriment to you. Yeah, it's like the dark lance. Um, it's just like one shot wonder. It'll shoot. Yeah, if, if you could, if you can put it on a vantage point to start the game, like put it on the vantage point at the beginning, you're going first. As long as it's got a target, it'll kill it, but then it'll probably get killed back. Um, so you either have to start it concealed, which almost forces you to take infiltrate so it can get a shot off, or you can just use it for aerial denial. But I think taking the two plasmas and the two arcs was a better choice overall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the good choices. But I think uh, overall for the event, once again, I think our only gripes was that it was only three rounds, or like even the price yeah. there was an extra round. Uh, again, it was only three rounds because it was on a Sunday. So again, the it was a nine o'clock registration. Ten ten to ten fifteen was the was all the safety brief and the getting everyone sorted. Uh, starting ten o'clock, we had plenty of time for rounds. We had a, a nice lunch break. We had a, a small gap between round two and three. It, if it wasn't on a Sunday, it would have been four rounds. But it's unfortunate they just they do close at six, so you've only got the limited time. Yeah, uh, but that but that was it. Otherwise, it was a really smoothly run event. As I said, oh, the, the yeah. thing is, the lanyards are really cool because they had uh, the event yeah. times in the back instead of just yeah. Our numbers. So they yeah, instead of just giving you a card with your player number on, they had um, printed round timings. So it was the you know you you'd be able to go oh what time's the next round start? Let me just check. Oh, it's two fifteen for the next round. So you 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 didn't have to go oh hang on what does it say up on the board? Um, that was really useful. Uh, again. They're, they had the the same two uh, sets of trains. They had Verticus and Octarius, yep. um, and again they had two different layouts for. They had one layout for the first round, and then the second and third round used a different layout. Um, but again, they 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 specifically had enough terrain. The train was good. I ended up playing on Octarius for all three rounds, and Me too. out of the two, out of the two setups, I prefer Octarius over Verticus because Verticus is. 75% heavy terrain which yeah. causes a lot of issues if you are a shooting kill team and plays very strongly to combat kill teams but uh, and also just for getting around the board it has far less traversable terrain seeing as it's a lot of heavy 
Well, until Doors uh, yeah. get announced, hopefully. Well, if if they do announce Doors, again, if you're playing a game at home or you're playing a, a tournament, you always say, well, if there is a door modelled on the piece of terrain, that, pe- that area is traversable. Um, but that comes down to self-ruling for tournaments or your own home games. Yeah, but we know it's fine um, in Chow now, for that, but yeah. Well, uh, we're, 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 they mentioned doors, but we're not sure what they meant by doors. Um, yeah, right, but Chownaf we... will be another set of terrain. Um, possibly possibly Warhammer World will also get some of that for their events as well to maybe spice it up a little bit and have like three different boards. Yeah, but it's like, um, yeah, I think the terrain was once again, for me, it's the gold standard. As always, if you want to uh, play at Kill Team, Games Workshop Run slash Warhammer World Run Kill Team events are the best you can go to. You'll have the most fun, really well organized, excellent terrain, gold standard for terrain, and yeah, it's, it's just great table yeah. service as well. You know, it's everything. Yeah, they, that was that was one good thing. They were they were running the table service again. They they hadn't run it at the the previous event we were at, but it's one of those things because being able to. When you're at a table for an hour and a half, hour and three quarters, and you're having to concentrate, and you're like, I don't really want to go, hey, can I take five minutes just to go grab a drink? Um, and they come around and say, oh, anything to order. It just helps you keep hydrated. Because that's the thing is, we've we've been to events, you get to the end of the day, and you're you're exhausted, you're dehydrated, and you're just like, oh my god, why do I feel so bad? And it's like, well, yeah, I've just spent six hours basically rushing around, talking, not drinking, and my voice is a lot better after this event than it was after the last one. Um, where I just just got naturally dried out from talking a lot, um, as you do during four games of uh, four games back to back. Yeah, because that's again shout outs to Water Vendor Chan because it just literally <laughs> kept me hydrated. And yeah, it, was um, the, it was the MVP of the event, the Water Fountain. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think but yeah. yeah, that was a really good event. Nothing like as I said, I don't think there's anything they can improve upon apart from like well, the, the, interesting- the only things they the only things they can improve that I would think of is uh, either participation prizes or more prize support, which would then also go out uh, as like a prize kit to to local game stores and things. Like I that. get that's that. The, yeah, yeah, that's the only thing that I could really see them improving on because they are they are running it as a competitive event and we had uh, first second third place trophies we had first second and third place best painted trophies and a judge twist trophy so it's something they could do it's a it's an additional cost for them but it's it's something that would promote the game more yeah because i didn't think about that yeah because you could have like um event exclusive dice for just like even if you just turn up and get like one or two dice you know well, that'd be cool. that's the thing is you you could always depending on how much you want to invest it you could do well you get prizes based on wins so everyone gets a prize for turning up here's a like here's a, a token or even like they do the uh the commemorative coins that you get for spending money in gw stores yes everyone could just get a kill team like q1 coin q2 coin q3 it's they can produce them on mass. It's a little thing you can get and go, cool, I went to an event. And then everyone who gets one win gets five acrylic tokens. Everyone who gets two wins gets the five tokens and an initiative marker. And everyone who gets everyone who gets first, second, third also gets a a range ruler, something like that. You can other game systems have done multi tier prizing. Um they did it for so Underworlds. They did it for Underworlds. Uh, fancy flight games do it for all their games it's a system you can do it does just cost you money and uh would gw do it if the game was if the game is popular enough and brings enough money in maybe but unfortunately we can't we can't control what they do 
Yes. But that would be a that would be a really nice thing to really incentivize tournament going. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, especially participation participation prizes, even if it's something yeah. simple, because then people can go. At least I got this. So I think yeah, that would be a cool thing. Yeah. Um, um, we're gone. I was going to say it's it's also something that they could do as a kit, like they have done with Underworlds, that they can sell to stores, then stores can go, hey, we're running a kill team event, turn up and get a prize, and people will be like, you know what? My local store's running an event. I'll go to that event. And it it makes the community better, not just GW going, well, we've got the prizes for our events. I think they might, because they did it for the original kill team, so it's probably once the yeah. pandemic eases up, so next year we could probably see something like that. Yeah, but- well, this is the show. thing. This is... This is They've only just started running events. Most other places are only just starting to get back into the swing of running events. And if there's a if there's an event in December, it would be really nice. But I've got a feeling we probably won't see Warhammer World events until January now. Uh, January, February. Ones that are, yeah. Other ones that are like in this month and in next month because they've already been those events have already been sold. But a a surprise kill team event in December would be very nice. Yes. Uh, but I'm hoping more January, February, but we'll see. I think the other thing, we already shouted out this before, but the round timing call-outs were super useful. So it's a great improvement. I don't think anyone finished like without a full game, and it really helped me as well for just tracking my turns and deployment. So once again, mm. that's like super useful. And if I ever TO event, I'm probably going to do the same. Like that that round that timing reminder helps so many people because everyone just literally went, oh, oh yeah, we, uh, we, we need to speed this up a bit. So... That was great. But yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Um, I hope you enjoyed our long spiel because it was yeah, it's only an hour and about 40 minutes now. But yeah, you know, it'll be time stamped. So you'll see it when I post up the podcast. But thank you, Charles, for coming down, practicing with me and helping. Because like, if it wasn't for you and I, turn, I literally would not have been able to win this. Because it's like, well, you so would, you probably would have just taken your gene stealers. You may have done well. You may have done badly. Uh, there was a very different field. There wasn't. There wasn't as much variance in kill teams at this event as there was at the last one. Yeah, there was so, quite a lot of elite kill teams. Yeah, so you may have done better. You may have done worse. Oh, yeah, because but- bef- before I go, because the one thing is like, even though Commandos dominated this tournament, just for the fairity of results. So since the FAQ, there was a Spanish tournament last week that had 27 players where Custodes came one and two. At the SoCal Open with only 14 players, uh, Admech won that one. And then there was another tournament, I think, in America with 13 players where... Harlequins came like first and third. So it's, yeah. it's even though this tournament, Commandos did come for uh, one, two, three, four, across the globe, it seems like the balance for the game is actually pretty good. So it, it's no longer every event's being won by custodies. There are different factions able to win events. So. Yeah, so that's that's the good thing. You know, it, obviously some things need to be looked at, but we'll, but you know, we'll need to see more tournaments. But yeah, I mean it was a really good event, and yeah, I don't think my Tyranids would have done better. They may have killed more, but they wouldn't have scored many tack ops. Um, but but yeah, if, if you'd played a different four, if you played a different kill team, it would have been a different game. So, hundred percent, yeah. But you know, thanks for your help, like literally, and like everyone at home, because like even even your little reminders when we're posting bat reps and stuff that helps us remember as well as you know showing mm. how to play the game correctly. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Charles. Thank you for everything. Hope you've yeah. enjoyed being on the podcast. Yeah, again. thanks for having us. Sean. Uh, we should be back again soon because I meant to post more uh, <laughs> Kill Team podcasts. So the next one should be like Tacticas and stuff. So keep your eyes peeled for that and is. But until next time, you know, keep rolling crits, even in the mysteries of Chow Nath. <laughs>